My name's Mel Herbert, and he's Tom Wolfson. We're going to be talking about the cars, the batteries, the solar panel, the stock price, the man, the myth. We're going to be talking about everything Tesla. Why? Because we're... Talking. 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 Talking Tesla. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for Talking Tesla 33, and I've got something very sad to tell you all. Tom's not here. Tom's... Tom's working in Las Vegas. Tom had to go and put on a big show in Las Vegas. That's um, what he told us, at least. Yeah, probably. He's probably just playing, hanging out, smoking cigarettes, eating, gambling. I don't know if there's any real like way to verify this, though. Yeah, well, uh, he's not here. But Robert, it was nice enough, on his way back from a shift from Saving Lives in the beautiful city of Camarillo, Oxnard, he's come here on the way home. Just spend a little time. But we have to go quick because I have to leave in 45 minutes. And I think these are the best when there's a time frame and I speak quickly. Absolutely. But, you know, today is a fantastic day. I I woke up after my shift, had a little nap, walked out to my car. I thought, wow, it's a beautiful day. It's been raining a little bit. It's sunny, partly cloudy. I go to my car. It's clean. And I try to get in it. And I can't. What? I can't. And then I realized, hell, this white Model S is like clean, really clean. And then I turned around and there's my car right across the street looking kind of crappy. But I thought, wow, in on this little side street in Camarillo, two white Model S's. Who would have thought? That's funny. You tried to break into somebody's car. I can't tell you how many times I have done that. So I guess we have to start with uh, talking about the earnings call. And here are some of the things uh, that I thought were the highlights. Some of these are from Teslarati. So uh, the first and most important thing we learned is that Elon Musk is of obsessive compulsive disorder. He is completely obsessed with making this car work. And he has a sleeping bag at the end of the line of the production model X so that he can check everything. It's pretty impressive. I went and I first toured the factory. I saw his desk on the Model S production line, and everybody would point to it. And how did we know it was Elon's desk? Because it had the big gold uh, Motor Trend Car of the Year trophy on it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're an investor, and I'm not actually an investor in Tesla because of this podcast, although it's probably bogus, but um, if you're an investor, you look at what the CEO thinks about the company. You look at how obsessed a CEO is about making a great product. And when you see somebody who's really smart, really rich, and really obsessed, I would bank on that person. I just wouldn't want to work for him. No. And apparently, uh, nobody does. Because there's been about five executives leave in the last two months. What's up with that? Well, he just squeezes people. He squeezes them hard and hard and hard. And maybe he doesn't quite understand how hard he can squeeze them. But uh, a lot of them do take off or cycle away and come back. And, you know, it's kind of like you need a breather from Elon, I expect, time to time. Yeah. uh, In the book about Elon Musk, the unofficial biography, uh, there's a lot of that. Like he is just an incredibly hard driving um, guy that eh, I wouldn't particularly like driving for. But anyway, let's continue on. What other things did we learn? Um, that fully autonomous driving is something that Elon is really pushing hard for. But he said in that earnings call, they're not about sort of getting to a point where they're going to forbid human driving. They just want to give you the opportunity to not drive. It's because it's safer. It's more fuel efficient. And when you get a lot of cars linked up and hooked up, you're going to have a lot less traffic. Yeah, because you're going to be able to drive at high speed right next to each other and not crash unlike human beings because we're stupid. The cars can draft just like a a talented cyclist and reduce drag. It's very cool. So the next thing was the Model 3. He said again on the earnings call, look, this car is going to be a lot 
easier to make. The Model X was a hopelessly difficult engineering feat. That's because they've put reins on Elon. No, right. Elon, you can't have Falcon. No, Elon, you can't have seats that envelop. No, Elon, you can't whatever. Well, somebody has, and you said that you sort of heard it in his voice, that uh, there was some like, yes, okay, I got it. I screwed up a little bit on the X. Well, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. It it's is. Amazing. You just can't yeah. make a half a million of them within a year of starting to put them out. You can't just ramp up like that unless the car is really Lego-like, and you just have to clamp it together, and boom, it goes, and there's not a lot of stuff to break. So the question is going to be, he's stated multiple times, this is going to be a fantastic car. It's going to be a great car. It's going to be the best car. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. So can you make a production-ready, very easy to do without screwing up too much, beautiful car? Is that, and we're going to have to wait and see. Because the X is beautiful because it's an engineering marvel. But he keeps telling us, you're going to want the, the Model 3 because it's also going to be an engineering marvel, just easier to build. And then they've got the experience. They've put out two fantastic, well, three cars, but two really fantastic cars from the ground up. I think that's an awesome track record. A few other things. Obviously, they're going to need a lot more money. They didn't say exactly how they're going to do it. Uh, a little bit of capital, a little bit of debt. You know, they were hoping that this year to start to make a bit of cash, but they're going to pour all of this money back into getting Model 3 um, production up because they said this, which is stunning to me. This sort of stunned the world a little bit in that uh, they are going to try and make 500,000 Model 3s by 2018. They want to ramp up to 500,000 a year by 2018, and they were saying do that by 2020. Now they're saying we want to get to 1 million by 2020. Holy hell. Well, one of our letters, I think, will address this later. Mm -hmm. But it's brilliant. And just remember, Elon not only was a physics major and not only excelled at engineering on the side, but he went to the Wharton School of Business. So he knows both sides of the equation to make this a success. And uh, the other good thing that we learned out of that uh, call was that 93% of these reservations are for new owners. This isn't just the same old Tesla people like you and I and everybody that's listening going, yeah, yeah, I want to get a Model 3. This is the brand new group of people that are at that level where they a $35,000 car is something that they really desire. And it, obviously, a lot of people are desiring a Tesla. It's like a virtual rave. I give a high five to all <laughs> these folks for keeping the oil in the ground. <laughs> and what we also heard is that he's making about 2,000 vehicles a week 60% S's, 40% X's, and uh, that's of no importance. I just found that very interesting. But they're going to have to increase. Just So right now, they might, that's a lot of cars. 2,000 a week, that's about 100,000 for this year. They're going to have to increase that by a factor of five to tenfold in the next few years. That's a lot of cars, Robert. It is. The problem that I'm worried about, and they talked about this on the earnings call, is that they've got a factory that normally made 500,000 cars. Now, Tesla, with their engineering, their robots, fewer people moving around, maybe a little more thought, maybe they can squeeze that factory to 750,000 cars. That would be a huge push anyway. But when they're going to have to make that 751th (laughs) thousandth car, they're going to need a new factory. And a factory is going to cost billions of dollars. So what's next? And that's kind of speculation that I've been thinking about. Maybe we'll talk about it at another time when we get a little more heads up. There's got to be a lot of empty factories over in Detroit that they can, uh, you know. And there's a few car companies in Detroit that probably are going to head right to a wall, smash in it because they have not bought into the electric drivetrain and autonomous driving. It seems to me, and I've been saying it for weeks, that. That uh, Ray Kurzweil piece about solar and exponential growth, 
that solar is clearly there right now. It is exploding and electric cars and autonomous driving is going to do the same thing. We're going to hit that S-curve, the upslope of that S-curve. And if you're a little bit behind, you're not just a little bit behind, you're way behind. You're not like, going to catch up Like for most years. of Congress? Yeah, like most of Congress and Detroit. All right, uh, let's go on. Let's move and talk about Model S and unlocking more battery. I found this article fascinating and I'm still reeling from it. It's from The Verge. And it said, look, you know uh, those people that got the new Model uh, S that's got a 70-kilowatt battery? Well, guess what? It doesn't have a 70-kilowatt battery. It really has a 75-kilowatt battery that you can unlock that extra 5 kilowatts just by an over-the-air update, just like Woo-hoo! autopilot. So all of the battery is in there for a 75-kilowatt, and you can just say, yeah, you know what? I will spend an extra $3,250 to get another 20 miles of range in my car. Just imagine being like vertically, vertically challenged, and then all of a sudden one day somebody says, here, just plug into this and we'll make you... Two inches taller. 17% smarter. Amazing. I mean, it really is interesting that the... I don't know how far you can extrapolate this, though. So this, obviously, it's a little bit bigger battery. It's not a lot of cost. If you want to use it, there it is. If you don't, it doesn't matter. So you can sell the car at a lower cost to get more people into that 70. And then if later on they decide, yeah, I'd like to get some more, then they can roll out some more cash. But... How far can you extrapolate this? Like for the Model 3, I was thinking, do you build every single Model 3 the same? Because the idea here is that if you can have every car using the same battery, everything's the same, and then just lock and unlock features, will they have a Model 3 that basically has 300 miles range, has every bell and whistle in it basically of technology, and then you just turn on the ones you want? Would that be the most efficient way to make a car or... Is some of the stuff that you're putting into this car just too expensive? Like, is a three hundred dollar, three hundred mile battery way more expensive than a two hundred mile battery? So you don't want to put too many three hundred miles in there if they're not going to pay the extra. Yeah, I wonder where the cost benefit benefit uh, gives way when you say make all the batteries the same, sell the cars for a different price. Because if you had to make the batteries different and then service different batteries and deal with different batteries, it would cost you more in the long run. And if you're just on this rocket ship ride to putting out a half a million to a million cars a year, this is probably makes a lot of sense. I'm just waiting for Elon to unlock the underwater driving option. Yeah, I'm waiting for that one. Or the I can fly to space and back option. It was there the whole time. Uh, just for $50,000, you can go to the moon. Woohoo! So I just find it very interesting. I'm also, I'm really hoping right now, Robert, I'm really hoping with my ex, my brand new ex that I never drive anymore because my wife uses it all the time, <laughs> um, that it actually has a 100 kilowatt battery in it and they're going to you know, say, yeah, we've got the software upgrade and everything ready. Would you like uh, an extra you know, 50 miles range? I'll be like, yes, I would, sir. I just say I'm bent over because I was one of the early adopters in 2013, first half, and I've got the one that doesn't have the bigger battery, doesn't have any of the driving features. Whatever. But I still love it. So uh, if we actually go back in time, I didn't realize that the 40 kilowatt Tesla, of which they sold very few because it just didn't have enough range for most people, as my supposition, actually had a 60 kilowatt battery in it. And you could have done the same thing. You just say, could you unlock the extra 20? And they, they would. So this is actually not that new. Although they weren't so fine and dandy about it back then, they were actually charging people a lot of money. I talked to a friend who actually has a 40 and lives so far from the freeway that he basically has to charge every time he gets down to the freeway at a hotel that has a fast charger, a plug-in fast charger, not a supercharger, and then he can go off on trips. And I thought, man, that is such a bummer. But then they did come out a couple years ago and they made offers to them the 473 
Model 40 batteries. And they said for 10 grand, you can upgrade. And if you want to supercharge, it's another 2,500. But it sounds like they've slipped a little bit in the time since. And now they're offering it at a little lower price. But still, it's kind of hit and miss. Some of these uh, sort of backroom deals or off the book deals that you can make with Tesla. That's interesting because I didn't know the number of Model uh, S's with a 40 kilowatt battery. And so it's only in the 400 range. Yeah, it's really small. Yeah, so that's why they stopped production on that pretty quickly. Telling my friend to just hold it, put it aside. It's going to go in the Peterson Museum one day. Yeah, that's what I would love to see. The failed Tesla. All right, let's do some self-driving car stuff because we've said we are at the beginning of the revolution and we have some evidence for that. First of all, Google and Fiat Chrysler are going to build a self-driving minivan. So it's officially been announced that they're teaming up to build 100 2017 Pacifica minivans to be part of Google's self-driving fleet. You mean 100 of those minivans? 100 of those 2017 version minivans. Roger. So Google is going to take these cars and it's going to put in its self-driving stuff and one presumes that they're going to have these drive around, you know, San Francisco and Petaluma and all those places up there and develop this uh, capacity of self-driving within these vans. It's interesting. This is a big van. This is an eight-passenger van. This is the uh, little sort of bus for the metropolitan area kind of van that they're working on, I think. It's probably for Google employees. That way they can get over to Chipotle for their burritos and back. And then, you know, Google can control that they don't wander off to go to Target or to (laughs) Ross or do any other errands. They can get them back and programming again. Now, they're not saying if this is a one-off deal or some part of a much bigger plan, but the CEO of the self-driving unit at Google did say that they're going to be doing partnerships like this with many different groups. Like Tesla. When does that happen? Well, when does know, the like great Apple, Tesla, Google merge? Elon and Larry, they're <laughs> up there having drinks at Larry's big you know, pad that overlooks Silicon Valley, and they're making their Dr. Evil-type plans. So, well, the Google and Tesla were in discussions about uh, buying it years ago. It didn't happen. It's all Lyft, about the money. Lyft and GM. So let's do more self-driving stuff. This Lyft. is great. So Lyft is here in the U.S., for those of you who don't know, I don't know if it's in other countries, is like Uber. L-Y-F-T. Yeah. So they uh, got together with GM and are building a, you know, a fleet of autonomous bolts. Now, GM put $500 million into Lyft. And so now they're going to take these bolts, and I can't remember how many they said, but they're going to put uh, a number of these bolts, and they're going to start developing self-driving Lyft. You know, $500 million for GM is for you, Mel. You know, like a 50. Yeah, it's nothing. I mean, I realize as far as Tom's concerned, it might be a 20, but for you, Mel, it's Mm -hmm. a 50. Again, this is happening fast. In fact, I just read somebody snarky at Volvo was making fun of the Tesla autopilot saying, it's cute, but we're so far ahead of that. We could have a self-driving car in 2018. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I have a cold. Wow. Hey, did you see that Silicon Valley uh, TV show where the guy gets in the self-driving car? It's really hilarious. We should put a link to it on the show. But he gets into the car because somebody says, oh, we're going to get the car. uh, We're going to get you driven back home. And he's like, this is like a Larry Page kind of company. And he gets in the car and then he goes on this ride and it looks really cool until the end. Yeah, you've got to say that it is hysterical. The car basically goes rogue. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Silicon Valley is a fantastic show. You know that they shoot the outdoor shots for Silicon Valley two streets over from here? I believe it. It's pretty cool. I live, in, I live next to Sony Studios, and my neighborhood is on like 30% of television. It lit up every night. Yeah. 
All right, so self-driving cars are going to take over everything, but um, that's a good thing because cars are destroying the world. We all know that. We uh, found this little video, and it's from Bloomberg, but I found it on Jalopnik, and uh, I'm just going to give you the audio right now because it's about how self-driving cars and electric cars are going to collapse the oil industry. Now, I've got nothing against the oil industry or the coal industry. They gave us all the power and the energy to create what we have right now, which is fridges and cold beer. But it's got to end. It's got to stop before we all die. And sweaters and smog. The world is running out of oil. At least that was the idea behind the peak oil hypothesis that dominated economic thinking for decades. But it turns out that with fracking, deep water drilling, and oil sands, there's a lot more oil in the world than we once thought. The old peak oil theory ain't happening. But what if instead of running out of oil... We just stopped buying this stuff. Most oil men scoff at that idea. There are one billion gas-guzzling cars on the road worldwide today, and only one-tenth of one percent of them have a plug. OPEC contends that even in the year 2040, EVs will make up just one percent. But don't be so sure. Consider the S-curve. S-curves are used to describe the spread of new technologies over time, like early refrigerators and color TVs. Growth starts off slowly at first, and then when the product really starts to connect with everyday people, we have liftoff. Eventually, the market gets saturated and growth tapers off, forming the top of the S. Predicting S-curves for electric cars is extremely difficult because we're making assumptions about demand for a type of vehicle that doesn't even exist yet. Fast, affordable, and spacious cars that have an electric range of at least two to 300 miles. But here's what we know. In the next few years, Tesla, Nissan, and Chevy plan to start selling long-range electric cars in the $30,000 range. And other car makers and tech companies are investing billions on dozens of new models due out in the next four years. By 2020, some of these will be faster, safer, cheaper, and more convenient than their gasoline counterparts. That sure seems like the point when the S-curve goes vertical. To start an oil crash, you don't need to replace all the cars on the road today. You just need to reduce demand enough to cause a glut of unwanted oil. Consider the oil crash that started in 2014. That was caused by too much supply, when producers started pumping out an extra 2 million barrels a day. So when electric vehicles are able to displace that much on the demand side it should also cause a crash. When might that happen? Tesla is building factories to go from about 50,000 sales last year to 500,000 in 2020. So let's assume for a minute that Tesla can meet its own forecast, and let's assume that other car makers maintain their current combined market share for plug-ins. If each electric vehicle displaces roughly 15 barrels a year, here's the impact on oil from all the EVs worldwide. At this rate, we hit our benchmark of 2 million barrels of oil a day displaced as early as 2023. That's an oil crisis. And the thing is, it's just the beginning. It's not at all unreasonable to assume that by 2040, nearly half the world's new cars will have a plug. Sure, you're skeptical. The price of electric cars still needs to come down, and there aren't yet enough fast charging stations for convenient long-distance road trips. Many new drivers in developing countries like China and India, they're still going to choose gasoline and diesel. But imagine a future where the rumbling streets of New York and New Delhi suddenly fall silent with electric engines. What if global demand for oil starts to fall? At first by a trickle, but then in a rush. 
Trillions invested in oil will be lost, while trillions in new energy will be won. The power of nations will be shuffled. That's the promise of the new peak oil. And it may be coming sooner than you think. Hey, Japan has more EV chargers than gas stations. Can you believe Unbelievable. that? Unbelievable. That's fantastic. So this is from Digital Trends, and it says that there are 40,000 fast charge stations in Japan. I mean, they love their electric vehicles. And only 34,000 gas stations. But let's be truthful here. They say this counts both those that are people's houses and in the streets. But they're on track for 2 million fast charge stations. 2 million by 2020. That's like one for every 200 people. And 50% of the cars uh, that are going to be produced by 2020 should be green. Now, they have very aggressive tax credits, but they are moving to full electrification of their mobility, at least for the smaller cars, incredibly quickly in Japan. That's great, except that in Japan, 30% of all the electricity is made by nuclear power, and they expect that by the end of next year, it'll be 40%. And wasn't there something called Fukushima once? What was that? I yeah, forgot. Yeah. It's a into, wave? No. You know, there's a number of environmentalists, and this is a sort of a rat hole uh, sub-discussion you could get into about nuclear versus not nuclear. We've decided that carbon is the worst. And so a lot of people think that the bridge has to be some form of nuclear because it won't be carbon. But it's still dirty and Fukushima is really a good problem. But maybe we might be able to just hop, skip and jump this, uh, some of the stuff we've got coming along, because we've got plenty of solar if we could just capture that stuff. And we have some news there. But let's continue on. I love this. The world's largest coal supplier is about to make the world's largest solar plant. Let the sun shine. This is fantastic. So Solar Reserve, which is actually headquarters down near you in Santa Monica, and it it's was the center a, of the world. It is the center of it's the center of LA at least. Um, they built that giant two uh, solar stations that are outside Nevada. If you're driving into Las Vegas from LA, you'll see these two giant solar arrays. This was the same company that did that. Well, they hooked up with a company in China, this Chinese company that makes lots and lots of coal-fired plants and digs up lots and lots of coal, and they are moving quickly to solar. And the reason for that is because China is choking to death on coal. So you've got some comments here. They're, re- they're reducing the amount of coal that they dug up and burnt last year by about 3 or 4%, the year before by 3 or 4%. If that keeps going, that's a good thing. The air in China, I mean, if you looked at the video and the images looking around Bang, um, uh, Beijing during the Olympics time, it was horrible. People were choking. Kids are dying. It's horrible. But China then said they're going to stop making coal-fired power plants. And then the numbers that impressed me were that in 13 provinces, they've actually stopped the production of new power plants, coal power plants. And in another 15 provinces, they've put them on hold. Now, I don't know if that means like one power plant's on hold and 70 others are being made, but that's 28 provinces. And Mel, how many provinces are there in China? I don't know. Can you name any of them? No. China. Uh, 31 provinces. So this go. is like 28 out of 31 provinces. I, I can't only name a couple, but you know, that's cause it's, um, Sichuan, Hunan, you know, what they say on the Chinese restaurants type of food. They Victoria, <laughs> probably not. So it is, you know, I haven't been 
we've all been really worried about, the rise in India of China, because what they want to do is what we did in the West. They want to take this energy and burn the crap out of it and put it into the air because they want to develop their countries, their infrastructure, and you do that with energy. But if they do that, it will destroy the planet. So they have to do it cleanly. And we they look at us and say, well, you burn all the coal and you still do, and you still have Sarah Palin's out there saying it's not a problem. But they're... When they were at the uh, climate meeting just a few months ago, they said, look, we recognize this is a problem. We're going to try and change. We're going to try and reduce. And I think we're starting to see some evidence of this, if for no other reason than you said, that they are choking themselves to death. It's like London in 1850. And now you can't even drive a car into downtown London because the traffic's so bad you have to pay a special $400 year fee and taxis have to – Very expensive. It's horrible. This uh, solar – and this is what really gets me excited because yeah. doing the right thing, I do not rely on human beings to do the right thing. But I do rely on them to follow the money. We will do that. We're very good at following the money. So they're able to make this uh, energy at less than the cheapest crappy coal that they can dig up from the ground. So they're going to do this for what is just under three cents per kilowatt hour. I mean, this is very, very inexpensive. I'd like to buy my electricity for three cents per kilowatt hour. I wish – yeah, I know. (laughs) They're not going to sell it for that. I could drive essentially for free. So it's going to be as cheap as the cheapest coal, and they're going to use that same technology that you're using in Las Vegas. So they heat up this molten salt thing that uh, goes all day and gives you lots of energy and spins turbines. But that molten salt is so hot and so large, it continues to spin that turbine overnight when the sun goes down until the sun comes up the next morning. So it's a beautiful thing. So we don't need to push anything uphill. Not yet, but we'll get to it. And then lithium. I just had sort of a question. Is there enough lithium in the world for everything that uh, Elon is planning? And we've got an article here that the demand for lithium obviously is going to go way up. I'm a bit concerned that means, therefore, that the cost of lithium is going to go up. So what's going to happen to the cost of those batteries? But do not fear. It turns out that lithium is actually um, pretty prevalent in the Earth's crust. So although most of it comes from places like Bolivia and Chile right now, there's plenty of other places there where we can extract this. And I suspect that Australia is sitting on a trillion, trillion, trillion tons of lithium. There's lots of impressively smart mineral types and mining types like at the Colorado School of Mines. And these, you know, all we need is a a price that goes above a certain level, which unlocks whole new methods. And we can end up with, you know, lithium not being an issue whatsoever. You know, it's the same with like uh, the um, tar sands. So the price of oil has to get to a certain point and then digging up sand and squeezing out the oil, which is very expensive and very energy dependent, becomes worthwhile because there's a profit in it. Again, I do not rely on human beings to do the right thing, but I do rely on them to dig up lots of lithium for their electric cars once the price of lithium hits the right number. So altruism is out? Or you just don't depend on the altruism? I don't depend. Any, I depend on altruism with individuals. It is amazing. Human beings are extraordinary, but Congress and politicians? Yeah. We well, go. hopefully we'll be altruistic enough to keep some of that lithium for the bipolar patients. Thank you. I like some of that. Uh, SpaceX launch. Look, they did wow, it again. Wow, that was awesome. Is amazing. Now I didn't step. I use. I love to step for these launches, but uh, this launch occurred at ten thirty California time, and my bedtime's ten. Well, I was having dinner at that time. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, I live True a, a yeah, pretty effed up life, <laughs> and I was eating dinner with my family, and I got a little text on my phone that said it landed, and I was like, "What?" And I stopped, and I went to the live feed, and you could watch it all. 
on uh, SpaceX.com. So I zipped to that point and all of a sudden you showed these guys and there's a bunch of people screaming in the background and they cut to the drone ship, the barge. Uh, I love you anyway. Uh, what have you Some, done for me lately? What I love you, you return home. If I, I've, never, I've, okay. never read, I've never read those books. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm ignorant. But you're watching this like black scene with like some raindrops or something. And all of a sudden, bam, this huge flash of white light. And there's the rocket. It's just standing there, dead center. You know, there's like a symbol on the middle of the barge. It's right on it. This is one of those sea platform landings again, but this one was even more difficult because they took this rocket, a Japanese satellite, and they put it into really high orbit. Right. And so that means it has to come down a different way and it comes down faster and it comes down with less fuel yes. for it to land. And Elon said beforehand, look, we give this 50-50 chance. Even if it crashes, it'll tell us some useful information. Yeah, but some other people who kind of leaked more of the information said there's not really much chance that Elon's just kind of being Elon. Mm-hmm. And not only did they come down... Uh, hard they came down using three engines last time they used one engine wow so this was super complicated and they held, they they stuck it and then elon sent out a tweet afterwards saying we might need to increase the size of the rocket storage hangar mate that's a big problem that's a great problem now the question is when they're going to start seeing if these are actually reusable because that's the next thing wash them off and send them up now he's got a couple to play with so he says he's going to launch another one uh, the reusable one later this year Excellent. All right, it's time for letters. We're moving along here very quickly because, you know, I've got to go a very important person. I don't know about you, Rob, but I am very importante. So let's do letters. And the first one is from Char- Travis Aries. Ayers. Ayers. See, why can't I – I have a little bit of – let's be honest. That's why Tom and I have this job. I have a bit of dyslexia. We're just going to have more than a bit of keep dyslexia. Keep you in line. I have quite a bit. I don't know how I got into med school. Uh, but here's Elon's uh, brilliant tax plan. So I thought that's because you can't do math. Exactly. Travis said this, Elon and the Tesla team have done it again by going to ludicrous production mode. I like that. That's funny. For 2018, where they uh, want to do, you know, these extra 500000 a year instead of waiting for 2020. He says, because the tax credits here in the US are sort of going to taper off, they're going to be able to get the full 200000 full $7,500 tax credits if they speed up production before this tapers off in 2019. They'll actually get more than 200000 They'll get it's more. Once you reach the threshold, I think you have one or two quarters in which they're still going to give the $7,500 tax rebate if you take delivery. So I feel bad for the people working the line at Tesla. They're going to be working 24-hour shifts, seven days a week, and they're going to be like pumping, what is that stuff called? Soylent? They're going to be pumping Soylent through tubes. <laughs> no, it's this new food for like programmers who never want to leave their computer and be right? 100%. It's got everything you need in it, and it looks horrible, but uh, obviously, the people who are buying it today don't know what Soylent Green is. It's made of people. It's people. people. Oh, you just ruined the punchline, <laughs> the whole movie. So uh, that was an effect of ramping up production I wasn't aware of. I wonder if that's what was part of their plan. He went to the Horton School. Oh, he's a smart guy. He's a smart economist. All right. So uh, name the next person because I can't. Silky. 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 Sorry. I, I was seeing Mike, but you know, I'm a little dyslexic too. Silky. So uh, this subject says uh, June 2016, towing a camper van across Canada. So here's what's happening on Silky and her husband, whose name is, where is it? Rolf. Rolf. They are going to take... That goes together, Silky and Rolf. Silky and Rolf. They're Norwegian-ish type, you know, forward-thinking, electric, positive people. Well, they're actually Canadian. And so they are driving from Florida to Canada uh, on this little trip, and they're going to 
trail behind their Model S, a uh, big, uh, what do they call them? Where you sleep in? Trailer. Trailer. So they're going to pull a trailer behind their Model S from Fort Lauderdale in Florida all the way back to Canada. And they are going to blog about it. They're going to talk about it. They're going to see if it's as possible. They're going to tell us about the upsides and the downsides. And uh, we are going to actually interview them on the way, beforehand, during, after, to see what this is like. Because this is something I'm very interested in. After my son goes off to college, I would love to do the same thing. Just hook the X to some nice trailer and just see every national park and just roam the country for a few years on sunlight. It That's wonderful. wonderful. Yeah. You could get one of those solar canopies and just charge yourself up while you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I want to, I want to go like the Martian. They could also, while they're dragging that trailer, race a bunch of fast, quote, fast American sports cars and beat them to death. <laughs> The next uh, letter is from David Turner, and it says, Turning up sales and hints of a charging and changing battery tech. So, hi guys, two points that are on my mind. Two weeks ago, I asked your thoughts on Tesla incentivizing sales of inventory Model S, but included a mention of a much lower sales price. The price was silly and distracted from the point that there seems to be a lower level of demand for Model S. You noted the short lead time for Model X as well. I still wonder if Tesla might try and lure Model 3 buyers to upgrade and keep sales strong while waiting the two years for the Model 3 revenue to come along. You betcha. So I think this is true, although the last time there was a price change on a Model S, it was not down. It was up. It was, but you got a new nose cone, yes. and you got some And you had a bigger battery you didn't yeah, know about. Exactly. So you could spend more money. I think there, that is true, uh, that there is a lot of people that are on the edge, but there is such a huge difference between the Model S price and the Model 3 price. It's so big. I don't know if making the Model S 5 or 10% less is really going to make that many people jump. Well, then there's also the secondary market, which continues to grow. And I know Tom said that there's none for sale on the Tesla website. That's because they're selling, selling them, them all. Right. I mean, at the rate Tesla's going, they say that, uh, well, I guess my car soon will be worth nothing, right? Because when they take it back, they take a dollar off for every mile you've driven. Oh, you've driven. And so I'm at like 63,000. <laughs> so I'm soon to be driving a free car. Yeah, you should just give that car to Tom. I should. He asks, he was, every week he asks for me to give him a car. <laughs> so he's also uh, talks here, and this is uh, very interesting. Several of the uh, lower-ranged electric vehicles are having significant upgrades in the next year. For example, Volkswagen has mentioned a 30% increase in range. Leaf is having a big increase in range. Uh, BMW is talking about a significant increase in range. This is accomplished by the use of more energy-dense cells, 37 amp hours versus the existing 28 amp ourselves. Do you have any deeper insights into these trends? Does cost correlate with energy capacity or are these cells just sort of new? What's going on here? So 30% increase in capacity in a Model S would give you 400 miles of range. All I can say on this is the same old thing, that the technology is changing. Elon keeps saying 5 to 8% per year. We're hoping for a big jump. And I just found an article about graphene batteries. So graphene is this nanotechnology which theoretically could bump the capacity of these cells substantially. There is a Spanish company that this year is now going to sell a graphene uh, battery and may even be available right now. And they say by the end of the year they're going into full production and they have a $350 million investment from a Chinese manufacturer. They say that these are four times as energy dense as the current batteries used in a Tesla, that they can be charged and discharged without any loss or memory effect, and that they can be charged 33 times faster than current battery technology. Now, people have been talking about this graphene technology forever. If these Spaniards having their white wine and red wine and hanging out and sleeping in the afternoons have cracked it, holy 
Testicle Tuesdays because they say that they can do this at the same or less price than current battery technology. If that is actually true, wow. the world changes this year because that giant gigafactory starts making graphene batteries. You know, this is why I love this topic, Tesla and all of modern technology, is that we can work ourselves out of a life or I should say a species-ending event Planetary with just a few good ideas. Well, the whole battery technology thing is really interesting. If you look at how lithium-ion batteries work, the reason that they get bad over time, and not very bad, right? I remind you that the other week, two weeks ago, I charged my car up at the supercharger to the max. I got a 2013 June delivery Model S, 85 kilowatt. I think when I first picked it up, they said it should charge to 264 miles. I kind of got it around 259, 260. Two weeks ago, 254 miles, 63,000 miles. Amazing. This battery is not going anywhere like everybody was worried about. And now these guys have got another method to make the batteries better. So I think electricity is definitely the future. Yeah, the full electrification of basically everything is where we're going, and then you make the electricity really green. But this battery technology, it's all about that. We have the energy. We have the giant supernova in the sky that we can get the energy from. We can collect that energy. It's always been about storage. If these guys have cracked graphene to that level, four times the energy density at the same price per watt, that changes everything. I can't even explain. Express how much that it changes everything. It's a paradigm shift. So now we can take the energy and use it to capture carbon out of the atmosphere and make methane and water. There's a reaction that they've been that, that was invented or discovered back at the turn of the century, nineteen ten or something. And so you can take uh, carbon dioxide straight out of the atmosphere, combine it with some oxygen, and make methane and water. And it's doable. It just takes energy and it takes some rare earth metals. So let's finish then with Travis Aries, who said, look, don't feel bad about your poll because even that big poll that you talked about didn't have that many responses. And this is the poll we're talking about. How many people will still buy a Model 3 if those tax incentives go away? And our little tiny poll said lots and lots of people would. He said, don't worry about it. Those polls are always suck. But I wanted to get to the much more important thing here, which he says, um, that Advanced Rail Storage is a company using excess solar energy to move a train uphill, and then when the train comes downhill, it gives you energy back. I said you push poopy uphill. Well, just push that old tar sands oil uphill. <laughs> Actually, you wouldn't want to because it might crash, but fill the, fill the tanks with, with uh, concrete. And next uh, week, I'm going to talk, there's an Australian who was talking about these pumped water systems, which lose very little water and they're enclosed systems. And he seems to know a lot about it. So I'll talk about that next week. But this idea of large scale energy storage is really important. This battery thing that we just talked about, I think is incredibly important. But you've listed like a number of things here for large scale storage of solar energy. I just started this list and I just started looking at a few websites so you can compress air. They compress air into big mine shafts. Like now, we're not having such a good luck with that at Porter Ranch where they're <laughs> pumping natural gas into these huge underground structures that were, you know, open areas. And now the shit's leaking out and, and making people <laughs> move away from their homes. And like the parts per million is like 
10, 15 times what's safe. But if you just made it air instead of methane, that would be right. okay. Oh, there's air coming out. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> Unless it explodes <laughs> out under your house. And then they can make air into liquid. They can. We can use batteries. You could use the electric vehicles plugged in at everyone's home and work throughout the day and night as a big capacitor that could suck up extra energy and deplete that energy. And if, you know, I have my 85 kilowatt car charged up to 80%. If the energy company during the day sucks back 6 or 10%, is it really going to affect me? I could always say, hey, wait, don't touch it. I'm going to go on a drive to Vegas, so don't take that energy. But other than that, or it might even be hooked up to my phone and see that I have an appointment in Vegas, don't touch Robert's car. So the electric vehicles, they that's a huge unconsider, or I should say it's an unused uh, resource right now. There's flywheels. These huge flywheels that uh, NASA created sit in a vacuum, suck up a lot of energy, can give the energy back. Hydrogen, Tom's favorite. You can <laughs> burn it. You, well, first of all, you can make it with your extra energy. You can then burn the hydrogen. You can stuff the hydrogen into natural gas pipelines, which can hold a huge capacity. If you look in Germany, somebody actually did a study or they looked at the capacity of the natural gas pipeline system in Germany. And if they stopped using natural gas, converted to electricity, used all those pipes in the ground, going to everybody's house, and they just pumped hydrogen into it, it would stay there. And in fact, it would give them like two weeks of energy storage. That's pretty impressive. Already using current uh, infrastructure that's in the ground. There's uh, pumped hydrogen store, hydro storage, like you mentioned, putting, mm-hmm. pu- pumping water uphill, superconducting magnetic energy storage. I forgot how that works, but it's really, really <laughs> efficient, <laughs> real efficient. And thermal storage, like the molten salt that you were talking about. That's just you know, a slice of what's out there. And people are working on some amazing ideas that I think can turn this all around. Yeah, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. As you said, I've uh, just located an expert on mass storage of solar energy, and I'm going to be interviewing him in the next few weeks. So he's going to give us how some of the stuff works. And maybe he knows what a superconductor magnetic storage system is. I'm pretty sure he does. Robert, thank you so much for stepping in for uh, Tom. And uh, he'll be back next week, probably all, you know, exhausted from his big show. What do they call that? Holiday heart? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Holiday heart is, you know, you go into a drawer and you get a little atrial fibrillation. He might have some of that as well. But uh, I have to run. I have a very important appointment. You have to go home and sleep. When's your next shift? Uh, Tomorrow, 6 a.m. 6 a.m. Oh, you've got to... I hate that flip from night shift... To day shift. To day shift in 24 hours. That's. I get to see my family in between, so that's good. And my wife has a shout out to you and Tom. She loves the show. My wife's not a technology person. And, well, we and reality is that she listens to it and it helps her fall to sleep. <laughs> oh, that's great. One of the biggest podcasts in all of the world is this guy that talks really slowly in a monotone voice about boring things because he had insomnia and he found that that helped him sleep. So Honey, that's one of the biggest podcasts in the world. I love you. So if you're a non-technology Have a person, nice sleep. listen to Talking Tesla. My name is Mel Herbert. His name is Robert Rosenblum. This is Talking Tesla. We'll see you or at least talk to you. Next week, bye. Happy now. trails. Have you enjoyed the show? And we've been talking, 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 tal